Trust that you have a blessed day, Mother's Day 2016. Wow, some of us didn't think we'd be living this long. <laughs> That's all right, you don't have to laugh. I know you're all young. The Bible says, honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Some may say, but my mother wasn't honorable. Well, the scriptures are clear that there is no qualification, there's no standard to be met. The only requirement to receive honor is that she is your mother. It's the only one of the Ten Commandments with a promise. If you honor your mother, you will receive a blessing. Jesus honored his mother Mary even as he hung on the cross. One of the last things he did on earth was to take care of his mother. Even in his dying moments, <clears throat> he never stopped loving her. He never stopped caring for her. He never stopped honoring her. So mothers, you have my deepest respect this day, and I pray that this day you will remember with fondness and joy that your cup will run over with all the accolades that may be heaped upon you on this your special day. Happy Mother's Day. I was privileged to have my mother for almost 69 years. And uh, I won't say nothing else. I just, I'll keep going. <clears throat> anyway, this morning I wanted to speak to you about this subject. God is able. Ephesians 3.20 said that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Bottom line, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too difficult for Him. For He's the Almighty One. He's the everlasting, omnipotent, all-knowing God. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 21, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Verse 22, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and his inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them all out like a tent to dwell in. In other words, the God of the universe is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom and power. Our God is an awesome God, amen? amen. And because he is such, we need to learn to take the limits off of our finite understanding of his ability and of his power. The promises of God's love and forgiveness, they're real. They are sure, they are positive as <clears throat> human words can make them. But like, uh, the, it's like describing the ocean. Its total beauty cannot be understood until it's actually seen. So it's the same with God's love. Until you actually accept it, until you actually experience it, until you actually possess true peace with God, no one can describe its wonders to you. One of the most amazing things about God is his interest in mankind, his love for people like you and me, his desire to have fellowship with and spend time with each of us one-on-one. -on -one. The psalmist said in Psalm uh, verse 8 and 4, what is man that you are mindful of him 
and the Son of Man that you visit him. That's amazing, but it's true. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, he said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Amen? Amen. That's amazing. The God of the universe wants to have a conversation with us, Amen. wants to love on us, wants to care for us. Amen? He also promised in Hebrews 13, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now, another amazing thing about this is how much trouble we humans can get ourselves into. We seem to have a, a, a natural born talent for finding difficulty and creating problems. Sometimes it seems that trouble just follows us around or that the devil has painted this big target on our back and, and, and says, shoot him. But however it happens, people often find themselves in trouble Confused, disappointed, lost, hurting, scared, upset, needy, tired, and plain discouraged. I can remember <clears throat> years gone by, many personal experiences where I, I seemed I spent more time trying to fix things I messed up than doing constructive work. I spent more time retracing my steps from wrong turns than traveling in the right direction. Sometimes I got myself into situations I couldn't uh, correct by myself. And since becoming a Christian, I've been in places that look impossible to get out of. I've had needs so big that there was no visible source of supply. And I've started projects that I thought were ambitious and seemed yet unrealistic. But when, I, when it appeared that the resources were lacking, it seems that God came on the scene and provided just exactly what I had need of. God came through. God's come through for all of you, or a lot of you anyway. He revealed himself to me. He reached out his strong hand and took me by the hand where there seemed to be no other way. Someone might say, well, God's blessed you because you're a preacher. Don't believe that. But he did call me to preach, to be a preacher, to this position. But God loves everybody the same. He's an equal opportunity God. So what he does for me, he will do for you. If you're a Christ follower, you have been called. You are chosen. You, you're a royal possession. You're a treasured possession, part of the royal priesthood. The apostle Peter declared, he said, God is no respecter of persons. So how does the Lord become the God of the impossible in each one of our lives? Through faith. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 23, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. The thing is, a lot of times we, don't, we say we believe that verse, but we really don't. Can God deliver you? Can he move supernaturally in your life? It doesn't matter what your problem may be. God can move. Whether you're in bondage to drugs or alcohol, which that's a drug, or cancer or blindness or loneliness or lameness or bitterness or unforgiveness. There is a God in heaven, who can stretch forth his hand and break every chain because he's the God of the impossible. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> when, do when doctors say there's no hope, you go to God because there's nothing too hard for him. Amen. You forget about that religious bumper sticker that I don't think it's out no more. It's a good, I'm glad of it. Here's what it used to say. When everything else fails... Try God. No, try God first. 
Amen. Pray about everything. He's not too busy. He'll take time to honor your request, to hear your problem, to answer your questions. He's an on time, every time, right now, right here, God. Amen. So what we need to do, Christ follower, is do it the Bible way. Believe and receive. I think many Christians today, they come to that place where either they have a, a, a breakthrough moment that brings a new chapter into their lives, or they slowly or reluctantly accept the status quo. I also feel that many churches, they either pray down heaven's blessings, or gradually they turn to shallow formulas instead of to the living God. The Bible lets us know that we don't have to be afraid of the impossible. It lets us know that we don't have to be discouraged or disheartened by that which might seem unattainable. It could be that God gives you a task or me a task that makes us stretch, that makes us move, but, but we won't respond in faith because we say it's just impossible. So he permits a trial to come into our life. He allows the devil to come alongside of you. Finally, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're, you're reading the word where it says, all things are possible to him who believes. Or with God, all things are possible. And suddenly, it seems like faith jumps off the page, the light comes on, and we begin to see through eyes of faith. See, God can bring the mountain down, amen? God can fill the valleys and straighten out those crooked ways. God can make the rough places smooth and prepare a highway right in the middle of a, a wilderness. God can give you favor right in the, in the presence of your enemies. He can open doors that no man can shut. God is saying, you can be anything that I design you to be. Put your hand in my hand. Put my word in your heart and walk with me and talk with me and wait upon me and watch me and see what I will do on your behalf. The Lord says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in me with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your paths. So we are to expect the unexpected the impossible, the unobtainable. We have to expect God to do something. He's saying, I'll be whatever you need me to be. I'll do whatever you need me to do. So God moves where you are and knows what you're going through and understands your problem and knows the dilemma that you might be facing and we might seemingly be at a standstill, but God says, hold on, I'm not finished with you yet. I like that scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. From the New Living Translation, it reads like this. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. 
Have you ever wondered why the Bible is, is full of such great stories? There are stories about kings. There are stories about paupers. There are stories about men and women, young and old alike. There are stories about God's amazing provisions of deliverance as well as healings. There are accounts of battles won and victories won for single individuals as well as for whole nations. There are accounts involving good people and bad, capable and not so capable. Every story is an example of the power of God's goodness and an object lesson on how faith works. See, the Lord knows how to provide for his own, does he not? See, Matthew's gospel tells us how the tax collector came to Peter to collect the tribute money that was owed by Jesus and, and himself. And I'm not, I'm not sure how much they owed, but it seems tax bills are always too high. But apparently, there was not enough money in the disciples' treasury to pay this tax. So Peter, he brings his problem to Jesus. And the Lord gives Peter some definite instructions. He said, Peter, I want you to go fishing. Go by yourself. Don't take your brother Andrew. Don't take John. Don't take James. This is a job just for you. Go fishing. And when you get down there, don't take one of your nets and throw in. Just take a hooking line. I want you to catch just one fish. And when you catch that fish, open its mouth and the money will be in there enough to pay the taxes. Maybe some of us will have to go fishing to pay the IRS. <laughs> but when you, ask, when you ask God to meet a need in your life, be ready to follow his divine instructions. Now, now notice in Peter's case, his faith took him fishing. He might have figured Jesus is going to provide the funds. He's going, you know, he's going to have a special offering. But now, suppose he had stubbornly waited until Jesus met the need the way he thought it should have been met. And he might have still been waiting. But the Lord had another way of getting the job done. So when Jesus said go fishing, it would have been natural for Peter to round up his usual fishing buddies and get the nets ready. Sometimes when we're believing God to provide an answer to prayer, we want to get all the friends and all the partners we can to help us pray. And there's nothing wrong with that. And every, <clears throat> But every one of them has their own idea about how God should meet that particular need. So if we're not careful, we'll end up trying to use one of our friend's methods instead of doing what God tells us to do. God said, Peter, leave here, go down to the shore, take your hook and catch that single fish and everything is going to be all right. What are you saying? There was a designated place to find a designated provision. And don't miss the point here. Your blessing will be found as you obey God's voice and follow his instructions. See, God's way of meeting your need may come in an unexpected way. It may come as a strange deliverance, 
But God doesn't want you looking to the natural for your answers. He wants you to know that he's the God of the supernatural, that he's the God of the impossible. One day God told Abraham, and you know the story in Genesis 22, go to the land of Moriah, take your son. That whole counts in the 22nd chapter. But this was Abraham and Sarah's miracle child, the son of their old age, and the one whom they loved dearly. But Abraham, the Bible says, got up early the next day, saddled his donkey, bundled everything up he would need, and started off for Moriah. On the third day, the Lord directs him to a specific mountain. And he leaves his donkey and he leaves his servants and him and Isaac take the wood and the container of coals and up the mountain they go. But as they're climbing up, Isaac asked his father, he said, Dad, where's the sacrifice? We got the wood, we got the fire. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham replied, My son, God himself will provide a lamb. And they continued on up the mountain. But now on the mountaintop, Abraham's building this altar. He's spreading the wood on the altar. And I often thought, what, 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 what did Isaac say when his dad grabbed a hold of his arm and said, come on, son, come on. I ain't going nowhere. But he didn't. He don't say that. His boy got on the altar and he tied him up. And he raised his butcher knife and he was getting ready to cut his throat until the angel of the Lord stopped him. And what did the Bible say? Now God knows you love him more than anything on this earth. It was then that Abraham then notices a ram caught in the bushes and he offers up. In Genesis twenty-two fourteen, the Bible says, Abraham called the name of that place, Jehovah Jireh. Woo, the Lord, my provider. Can I tell you that God will, see, here's, here's how, there's too many things going through my mind right now, but here's how God, I think, wants us Christians to do. You've heard them stories. You've heard enough word to save the whole eastern shore. For Merlin, right on up to Baltimore, we've heard enough word. So don't you think it might be time that we start hungering and thirsting for the things of God and the Word of God and letting the Word do its intended work that God says what we can have and what we can do as we look to Him? That Ephesians 3.20 says the last part, it's the power working in us. So if the power's not working in us, then there ain't going to be a whole lot get done. Amen? But now, you, did you notice when he started off, he didn't know exactly where he was going. God said, I'll tell you which mountain to go to. What if Abraham had said, no, I'll wait right here, Lord, until you make up your mind. Or he could have argued with God and, about the purpose of the trip. You can't be serious, Lord. You know, you want me to kill my son? You don't really mean that, do you, Lord? We had to wait all of that time. I'm an old man, God. You going to give me another son? Don't you remember what you said? This is the miracle. Why do you want to kill him? But can I go just a little bit further with this? 
Abraham could have questioned the choice of the mountains. Why in the world do we need to go way over there to the mountain of Moriah? The first mountain looks good to me, Lord. It's even got a trail up the side of it, which will make it easier to get to the top. He could have climbed the mountain of choice. He could climb the mountain of religion, the mountain of tradition, the mountain of doubt, the mountain of fear, the mountain of unbelief. But if he had climbed the wrong mountain, there would have been no sacrificial lamb in the bushes caught. See, there is healing. There is deliverance. There is divine intervention for you and me. But we have to get to the land of Moriah. Where, where is that at, preacher? Right there in that book you're holding called the Bible. Amen. Amen. You don't have to go across the United States to California. You don't, you don't have to get some kind of formula. No, you go to the God who spoke the, the earth into existence and the universe into existence. You say, God, if you're not going to change me or heal me, or deliver me, if I'm not going to make a difference in people's lives, then I don't want to be around. But oh God, if in your marvelous wisdom and grace, if you can use me, then whatever comes my way, I'm going to trust you. I do want to be fruitful. I do want you to be the center of my life. See, if that's you, then do it the Bible way. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Or do it the Bible way like Deuteronomy 4 says. Seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. There's two verses right there that can ring heaven's bell and seek and get God's attention. Amen. See, when we do it his way, we find the mountain that God has chosen. And that's where the divine provision will be. Matthew's gospel tells the story of Jesus walking on the water. They're out on the Sea of Galilee in their boat. It's being tossed about by the waves and the wind. The last time disciples had seen Jesus, he sent them on ahead. But when they were in danger of sinking, when everything looked hopeless without any hope left, he came to them. Out of the darkness, Matthew says he came to them walking on the water. What did he say? Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. Wow. And bold, brash Peter, who always talked before thinking, who always took action before he made a plan, he answered Jesus back. He said, Lord, if it's really you, call me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus said one word, didn't he? Come. Reinhard Bach, he said, when Peter stepped, throwed that leg over the side of the boat, he stepped on a, the letter C. And the next foot went on the letter O. And the next one led, went on the letter M. And the next one went on the letter E. And there he was with Jesus. Amen. But isn't it amazing? Sound like heaven right then. Isn't it amazing? That's how he says it. Most people who tell you this story put most emphasis on verse 30. 
which says that he started noticing the strong winds and how hard they're blowing and how big the waves are. But isn't it amazing that people seem to be more interested in Peter's failure than they are in his victory? Or to put it another way, more interested in your failure or my failure than in our victories. They, they, they read right over verse 29, which says that when Jesus called Peter to come, he got out of the boat and he walked on the water. What he really walk, was walking on is the word of the living God. Well, <clears throat> he did take his eyes off of the master. He did get scared at his surroundings. But the same verse that tells us that also says that he cried out, Lord, save me. And the Bible says immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught Peter. Then the two of them go back to the boat, I believe, walking on the water. That's the way I read the story. But for the record, I'd like to point out that none of those other disciples walked on the water. They never even got out of the boat. Amen? See, Peter's the only man with this testimony of faith that took him from the safety of the boat to that of walking on that, which is impossible to begin with, good old H2O. Did Peter fail? He did, but with this exception, he got up again. He didn't stay down. God can always help a man deal with failure that's willing to get up again. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now this can be said of us, or better yet, it should be said of all of us who name the name of Jesus. The next verse, Psalm 37 verse 24 says, Though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his righteous right hand. One version says. Did you hear that? I mean, what a promise. If we fall, God will pick us back up. The man who falls is not a failure. The person who fails to reach his goal on the first try is not a failure. Who is the hopeless case? The person who never tries. He's a failure before he ever starts. Be ready to go, church. Be ready to do. Be ready to try. Be prayed up. Be ready to go up when Jesus says come. Amen. See, he'll help you. Do what you need to accomplish what it is he wants you to accomplish. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What is that saying? It's always too soon to quit. You can never be defeated until you quit trying. When, when God is involved, just when it appears that all hope is gone, the unexpected happens, the impossible takes place, it's like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, we may be hard-pressed on every side, but yet we're not crushed. We may be perplexed, not knowing which way is up, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. I love the story about... Uh, the woman who had suffered for years. The Bible calls it an issue of blood. She had this problem for 12 years. She suffered many things. Uh, a physician, it says, spent all of her money. 
She went from bad to worse. Has anything like that ever happened to you? Have you ever gone to a specialist? All they want is your copay. Has all the treatments brought about all the expensive medicine? Been through painful surgery, ended up worse shape than you were before you started? Then you need to pay close attention to this Bible account. The woman with the issue of blood did not seem to know when she was defeated, when it was over, when it was time to give up. She suffered a lot of pain and a lot of misery, a lot of rejection, but she just kept on going. And one day when things had gotten as bad as they could get, she heard about Jesus. Someone told her about this man who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. She heard that he was the God of the impossible who helped people to obtain that which was unattainable. She heard about the miracles that he performed, the people that he delivered, the lame who walked, the blind saw, the dead were raised back to life. She heard about these things and her faith began to rise within her. And this poor woman said, I'm going to find Jesus. Why don't, why don't church people do that today? Oh God, I'm going through this dumb thing again. Oh Lord, I'm so miserable. Where are you, Jesus? Where's the church when I need them? Especially the preacher. They've got two preachers. Where's they at when I need them? <laughs> she said, I'm going to find Jesus. My wife's not sitting there this morning because when I got on the island, she looked at her phone and, and the hospital called her this morning at 8 o'clock for an emergency. She forgot she was on call today. So I had to take her back home. So she's down at Nasotics. So she could have said, oh, Johnny, why didn't you let me know? Because I didn't know. <laughs> That's why you got to go to Jesus. See, if it's helping others, she probably said, he can help me. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. See, faith arises in our hearts and in our minds, but it's going to, I want it to be in my heart, first of all. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, your words express what's in your heart, and your heart is either filled with positive things or negative things, positive like, I can and I will. See, when you hear words like, I can't, you're reading the wrong script. The script should not say, I can't, but he can Amen? So the women with this issue of blood, she got up and she did something about it. She, she knew the answer that she needed was in this man, Jesus. She understood what David meant when he said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Amen? And she said, I'm going to find Jesus. I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired of being excluded from society. Can I tell you that faith is determined? And it is persistent and it is a destination. And faith makes its way through the crowds, reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. So when that little woman got close to Jesus, he reached out. It wasn't just that her fingers touched his robe. At that instant, the Bible says something happened to him. He turned around and said, who touched me? He recognized virtue had gone out of him. Somebody had, had, had put a demand on the anointing. Somebody had... Had, touched, had, had that touch that had faith in it. You say, preacher, we read these stories all of our life. It's time that we start acting on them. 
I know, I don't, I don't see everybody get healed. I don't see everybody delivered. But that don't stop me from praying for people. That don't stop me from believing that God can and God will. See, see, see there, Mr. Antanasio, you're not going anywhere until Jesus says come up. So just start rejoicing and praising God for what has already done for you, for what he's done for you in the past, what he's going to do for you in the future. You're still his. You look better to me today than you did the last time you were at church. Amen. So something taking place. You got color, which you didn't have the last time. Amen. God is good all the time. Every time I talk to my dad, I get inspired. I can't help talking to him. Kevin talks about his children. I talk about my father. <laughs> Last week, he said, Johnny, he said, I'm, I'm sitting here praying. He said, I think I'm going to call a prayer meeting. I said, yeah, yeah, here at the house. He said, I'm going down to the last house on the island where he lives. He said, it's called West Ridge, it's on the Bay Island. He said, and, and everybody that's home and will, he said, I'm going to invite them down to pray. And I, he, <laughs> I talked to him that evening, well, how'd it go? Well, he said, 14 showed up. He said, and, he said, and, and we got a hold of him, meaning God. He said, we had a talent. And, and I thought, I thought, here's a man almost 92 years old, just lost his wife can't hardly see, and he's still worried about where people's going to spend eternity. Amen. Yeah, there's something about this thing called Jesus. Amen. There's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. There is a Holy Ghost. You can call him it, that, or what, or Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Ghost. The Father's promise given. He is the Alpha and Omega. He's, he's Jesus. He's God. Everything rolled right in here. He is the one who will direct and guide us in all the affairs of life. Amen. Amen. Now, here's what people will say to us. Sometimes church people. But I'm telling you this morning, don't listen to bad reports. Stop listening to the discouraging word of the doomsday brigade. They'll tell you you're never going to get anywhere in life. You'll never be blessed. Your marriage will never work. Your home's out of order. Your kids, they're, they're meaner than snakes, and they won't obey you. you. You never find true love. You're too arrogant and overbearing. Nothing really works for you. You go to church and nothing happens there. Things don't look good. They go from bad to worse. Don't listen to those negative reports. The word says, be still and know that I am God. Because God can do the impossible. He has no limits. He cannot be defeated. He is able. And besides that, he loves everyone in here with a never-ending love. Amen. When that woman saw those cries, I'm almost done. Listen, I ain't got many more times to be up here preaching like this. So I'm just going to take my time. You say, don't let me say none of you get up to go out because you want to go get a good seat. I'm almost done. <laughs> Listen. When Christians begin acting on their faith, moving out in the flow of the Spirit, God will take action and start moving towards us. In Jeremiah 33 and 3, God said, Call to me and I will answer you. 
Jesus says, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And James says, you have not because you ask not. So when you do all that you can do, then you can expect God to do all that he can do. And that's always enough to bring deliverance and victory. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. And I thought when I wrote that scripture down yesterday, that last part especially, whose heart is perfect toward him. How does my heart get perfect toward God? As I pray, as I seek his face, as I see the urgency and the necessity of prayer, when I obey the word of God, and I have faith that when I pray, God is going to answer. See, God is able, amen? He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, comma, according to the power, his power that works in us. So if there's one thing you wish to be remembered by moms today, let it be your faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the power of his word. I thank the Lord for Christian moms especially that raises children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that raises them up to be godly men and godly women. Amen. Amen. For faith is the belief that God is good and that God will do everything that is right. Times may change. Fashions may change. But mothers, you're never out of date. Amen. There, there's a, a living reverence in a mother's faith because no one in all the world <clears throat> adapts herself to the day in which she lives like a mother with her children. And if there's one thing her children will never forget, it's her faith. Proverbs 31, 28, her children rise up, rise up and call her blessed. What a sweet reward it is for mothers to hear their adult children say, we're grateful for the way you raised us. <laughs> So God bless you, mothers. Thanks for being here this morning. And moms, we want to give you something. I always do like this. I, some, some might not like to come stand up here, but I like get miserable a little bit this morning. But come up anyway for me. So I want our moms to come up. <clears throat> you don't have to be from this church. If you're a mother, just come up here. We want to give you a little gift. Because I think mothers are special. I thought, I thought when I was in my mind, I, I was thinking <clears throat> that when my mother passed away in March, and, I, and they called me, and I went down in that room, and there she was laying in that bed. And I thought to myself, was I a good son, Mom? Was, it's too late now, you know, she's dead. I'm saying, was I a good son, Mother? But I felt like I didn't give her much heartache or headaches. But here we Christians have a chance, mothers. You say, my kids are grown up. That's all right. They're still your children. If you're, if you're 60 and they're 90, it's still, that's my mom and that's my child. But here's these moms. Don't they look good? Yeah. Hey, man. Let me. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the backs of your heads. Let me just. Yeah. See, don't they look good? Young moms up here, middle-aged moms up here, and senior moms up here. Notice I didn't say old moms. 
Senior mom. Y'all look good to me. How about it? Don't you look good? Amen. So, men, we just want to give you this little gift, this little booklet. Flowers die, but this book will stay with you for a while. You can read this every day. Amen. And I know, listen, I don't know about anybody else. There were so many Mother's Days, man, I said, just you can't get up. Amen. Tell you how good you are, tell you how bad you are. I just want to say, hey, moms, I appreciate you. And we want the word be in your heart and in your life. And when you leave this place, no matter the struggles you go through, God says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way because he loves you with a never-ending love. Amen? Wow. So moms, would you, man, would you stand and give them a hand? Yes. And now. Yes. Yes. <clears throat>